And again, you're listening to Community Matters. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we had a chance to talk with Chautauqua County Mental Hygiene Department Deputy Director Trish McLennan and Project Coordinator and Director of Tapestry Resilience Initiative Rachel Ludwig about why this is important. We have Project Coordinator and Director of Tapestry Resilience Initiative Rachel Ludwig and Chautauqua County Mental Hygiene Department Deputy Director Trish McLennan on the line with us today. Good morning to you both. Good morning. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I want to talk with you both about what this month is all about. So I welcome whoever wants to start first, uh, since we're on a conference call, you go ahead. Sure. Well, we're, we're always happy to have the month of May to celebrate not only kind of spring in the county, but mental health awareness. It's, it's a great time to be able to talk about mental health in an open way, just like we talk about physical health. And raising awareness doesn't have to be something that's just done in a month, but certainly to, to have a time in the calendar that's dedicated for mental health awareness is, is a helpful thing. It gives us an opportunity to theme around um, talking about the differences in treatments that are available now, so many evidence-based practices, and really normalizing mental health that there's a wide continuum when you think about mental health, just as you would with physical health, there's wellness and there's illness and it's on a wide continuum and all of us are on that continuum and it's important to kind of share that space, I think, with other people. The interesting thing with this Mental Health Awareness Month is Children's Mental Health has an awareness week each year and this year it's actually being reframed as Children's Mental Health Acceptance Week, which I just love because it really talks more about being aware. It's a next Step to being aware. It's also taking action and, and accepting one another and accepting that there is mental illness in children and there is mental health and wellness in children. And that whole same continuum happens with children just as it does with adults. So because we're sort of within that week time period, I'll focus that as well. Mm-hmm. And you, talking about thinking about children and mental health, and, and you mentioned that, you know, this continuum, I think there's, there's been stigma about people reaching out for help or, you know, under or seeming to understand mental health as being a kind of fluid situation that while you might have go through life, never having any mental health issues that you might have something that happens in your life where that can change. So how, how do we overcome that kind of the stigma and, you know, getting to people to understand, you know, that the, exactly what you said, which is mental health is, is a, is a health issue. I think one of the strange, I guess, silver linings in the pandemic is it does give us an opportunity to all be on the same page so we can all have a shared experience of, of the trauma, really, of isolation and separation and, and really health scares around a pandemic. And it allows us to have that shared space and, and unfortunately, the, the shared trauma. But I think sometimes those experiences can be building for opportunities to communicate about wellness. Yeah, I think also it, it's brought a lot of people together and make it acceptable to talk about it. And we hear a lot about self-care um, over the last couple of years. We hear a lot about organizations and people supporting one another. Um, I know at our local community hospital, um, a lot of people would different restaurants would bring over meals for ICU nurses or emergency departments to help them and their support. I know with um, our county uh, Department of Health, the nurses were very busy 
during the most active time during the pandemic. And it, it allowed for people to make it okay to say, I'm not okay. Um, it allowed for people to be able to support one another in a different way and make it much more acceptable. So we do hear a lot more about this. And children, we're hearing a lot more about just the impact um, of how, yes, isolation, um, parents trying to become teachers who didn't ever want to be teachers, um, having to homeschool children, um, the impact of that, the impact on the school systems, but also then schools recognizing the impact and asking for support and help within their system and for the teachers and the students. And there's truly a continuum of support available. So while there's the continuum of illness to wellness, there's also a continuum of services and supports. And all of us have the opportunity to be helpers. All of us have the opportunity to reach out and ask someone, are you okay? And, and really be present and listen for the answer. So I think that's been another opportunity too. It's not just about having a mental illness and going to therapy. It's about we all have mental health and we have to be aware of how we're feeling, how we're doing, and that there's a lot of different opportunities, whether they're just now a lot of focus on wellness apps. Now there's a lot of um, opportunities, as Trish mentioned, for self-care. So not calling it um, a therapy session, for example. This is really about taking care of yourself. And part, part of the time, we do need to take formal steps to take care of ourselves. It's the same as we would for our physical health. So again, I think you know, having that opportunity to put the continuum around physical health and mental health, it's, it's, it's not separate. It really is integrated with who we are and how we are. Mm -hmm. uh, when I think I think it was Trish who mentioned about uh, mental health and also schools and what came out of the pandemic. And we're seeing that with the Jamestown Public Schools. I've been talking a lot with the superintendent, Dr. Whitaker, about how their budget this for this next school year has a huge uh, focus on mental health and trying to work with what has happened with children in school situations because of the pandemic. So, yeah, this, it's this whole, you know, the pandemic had a huge impact. And have you seen more people seeking services or have you seen the increase, the need increase within the community? Absolutely. Um, an incredible need increase. I mean, the, the neat thing, again, about access to services is we're seeing an increase in our local pediatrician offices and needs being identified either through the pediatrician or by the family when they come in. And there are services and counseling being provided and preventive services being provided through our pedi local pediatrician offices. We're seeing it in the um, local hospitals and the emergency department of more children and adolescents coming to the hospital. Um, again, not always needing admission, most of them do not, but needing evaluation and referrals out. We're seeing it in our local clinics. All the um, folks, whether it be through the County Departmental Hygiene, UPMC, Resource Center, any places that are um, having provide children's services are seeing an increase in new referrals in addition to ongoing. We also see it through the county with our mobile crises teams. We have 24-7 um, mobile crises teams available and more more requests are coming to assist children and adolescents through this. So we're seeing it ongoing, but we're also seeing it in new crises. Mm -hmm. And we do have a number of supports available in schools. We have some formal satellite clinics in schools, which allows for a therapist 
to be able to be on site in the school at, at no charge to the school. It's really about creating that relationship and partnership with the districts. I think one thing that's tricky is there's a lot of terminology with different roles, um, who can be a counselor, who is a social worker, and then, and then we add to that by saying school counselor and school social worker. And it's, you know, there's, there is so much need that really having the roles be able to be uh, woven together and, and really activated wherever they can be is important. And I think we've seen that. I think we've seen a lot of roles really adapt to where the need is. And we've, we also have, um, I think, with our continuum of partners throughout the community, an interest in really taking active roles in that adaptation, so really looking for opportunity to be part of prevention and treatment and boosting recovery. Thinking about services for all, I mean, it, can maybe, it may be a little daunting for someone who's just maybe thinking about reaching out to see what may be available to them. Where should a person start that maybe is having some mental health things going on and maybe just wants to get some feedback or even some more information? Where can they go? Well, there are a number of ways to reach out for help. And and some of them, it really depends on your level of comfort. If there's someone that you have in your life already that has a connection, um, it's it's sometimes nice to go that way. Have your, have your partner, your friend, your, your, teacher, whoever it is that you, that you know, maybe go with you to reach out to go to a person if you want to do that. Um, but I think another way is really using the 800 numbers. We have a lot of um, toll-free access lines. There's also crisis text lines. So if you want to, you can text 741741 and just text the word home. And by texting that, you can have a conversation with a trained counselor. And that's just one example. If you if you um, want to lead people to our website, we certainly have a number of those crisis numbers listed. Um, we also have links to a lot of different sites and connections. There's the um, National Alliance on Mental Illness has a crisis link or a crisis, sorry, 800 number as well. And it's interesting between, I have a statistic in front of me here, between 2020 and 2021, the calls to that specific helpline for depression and anxiety increased by 80%. And the calls for suicide increased by 185%. So you can see that people are using that text line and are using other text lines as well. The numbers really, um, for example, this with this NAMI helpline, uh, really show that, I think, more clearly than ever. Uh, the number for, for NAMI, just to have it out there, is, is 1-800-950-NAMI, which is 6264, so 1-800-950-6264. We also have a local 24-7 crisis line that Trish mentioned, and the way that that line functions, is it's really a triage line, but we can have anything from a phone consultation to having a mobile team involved and activated. And that number is 1-800-724-0491. And I think the important piece about that is that's, that's a local team that really, although sometimes an 800 number is, is a nice way to go, it feels a little more anonymous, um, sometimes we really want that activated local number as well. So I want to make sure I give that number again, oh, and I, I jumbled the number numbers a bit. So it's 1-800-724-0461, 1-800-724-0461, and that's the crisis line for Chautauqua County. 
And if you want one more number to throw out there, there's a 24-7 suicide prevention hotline. Again, there's professional counselors on that line at all times. And that number is 1-800-273-8255. For an individual, say, say I have a friend or even a family member, you mentioned that one of the easy things you can do is just ask someone, are you, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? What can other people do to reach out to those they think may be struggling? Because we always say that the interpersonal uh, relationships are a big, a big part of, you know, helping people who might need it. So what would you recommend for someone? What's interesting, there's actually a whole campaign around that called Seize the Awkward. So Seize the Awkward is, is really acknowledging that it's, it's sometimes it's hard to know how to start because, you know, it might be pretty obvious that someone's struggling, but it's so hard to walk that fine line and wanting to say the right thing and not wanting to, you know, push someone to be in a conversation that they don't want to be in. But really, Seize the Awkward has some great one-liners. Um, just pulling up the website, if you search for Seize the Awkward, it gives you starters and, and it shows one after another, really, of, of how to ask that question. So an example I've noticed you've been down lately. What's going on? Or, hey, we haven't talked in a while. How are you? So just some opportunities to really give that one-liner, finding the time to talk, you know, making the time. I think a privacy is a big piece. Respect is a big piece. So really having communication on a consistent basis, but, but taking the time to really hear the answer as well. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, I mean, just another similar avenue when we're talking about support that is not necessarily going to see a trained therapist or a um, psychiatrist, we have a local mental health association too. So there, those are folks, everyone working there are considered professional peers, meaning they have a shared similar experience. Um, They've been through mental health concerns, issues, mental illness, treatment themselves. So they have online, they have phone, they have groups, they individual walk-in. Um, so there is a program here in Jamestown as well as Dunkirk with Mental Health Association. And so they're another resource if someone just wants to talk with someone who's gone through something similar and get some feedback or see how they've managed to survive and what they've managed to do to, to remain healthy. And that's another way of normalizing too. Mm-hmm. I've seen and heard of many times where that peer support can be so helpful for those who are, you know, think no one understands, but no, there really are people out there who are, you can talk to who do because they've been there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thinking, yeah, yeah thinking, I'm sorry, I don't know if I cut you off there. Um, but I, I talked with last week, he's our now former Congressman Tom Reed, and he spoke about the importance of Mental Health Awareness Month in his weekly talk with media. And he expressed a frustration about what he called silos between mental health and substance use treatment. Would you say that this is, I mean, this might be a national issue. Is this something we have here with issue with treatment in Chautauqua County between substance use treatment and mental health? Or would you say that the groups in this county work well together in that? I'd say that's a great question, a great comment. Um, I will say that Chautauqua County has reason to be proud of some of the services we have. Um, for example, at the Chautauqua County Mental Hygiene, um, we have integrated what's called a licensed integrated program. 
meaning you don't have to say you're going for either mental health or substance abuse. All staff and programming are trained to provide through a state licensure both simultaneously. So you don't need to go to a separate counselor if you have both concerns going on. That's pretty neat. We also have a lot of, um, through our local government unit, we have a lot of organizations involved in, in partnering together. I think what you'll start to notice is that Chicago County is really trying to work together, whether it's mental health services, substance use disorder. Um, yes, there's unique components for each, so you need to keep something separate. I mean, treatment for one, it does not always mirror treatment for the other or the needs. It really is about what the individual needs, so it's that assessment. Um, under though the licensure, I kind of just getting back to what um, he mentioned, under New York State licensure for Office of Mental Health and um, Office of Addiction Services and Supports, there are some license concerns in that there are separate inpatient programs. So for example, chemical dependency units are licensed by addiction services, whereas mental health units are licensed by mental health. However, the staff on those units, their training and education, they're trained to provide both services. And I think it's interesting too, I, just the name mental hygiene, mm -hmm. sometimes people wonder, you know, why is it the Department of Mental Hygiene? Why not just mental health? But it's actually a, a really wonderful reason that it's con considered mental hygiene. It's really more than just mental health. It's, it's full behavioral health. It's looking at mental health, the subs any substance misuse or abuse. Overdoses. Overdoses, uh, developmental disabilities. So reasons that people need to take care of their mind. You know, it's, it's um, just like the health department's more focused on physical health. We, we really focus on the, the behavioral health and, and the brain health. That's and and I, I didn't think of it that way. When you know, obviously, what is happening mentally affects the behavior, and that behavior might be, you know, turning to you know illicit substances, but it also might include you know certain other actions, you know, maybe self harm or whatever the case may be. Although one one will argue and, and correctly that that using illicit drugs is a form of self harm. So, but uh, no, this is all wonderful information. And I'm wondering, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about? Is there, any, I don't know if you have any activities happening this month for Mental Health Awareness Month or anything that else that you would like to talk about? Well, we do have a number of activities. Um, some of them have, have already happened, which is, um, it's nice because you'll, you'll see them in the paper after they happen, but it's fun to be in, in, involved in them um, when they're happening. Obviously, we have a number of really great partnerships with the community college and Fredonia University and try to do a lot of awareness activities on campus. It's also a wonderful time because they're having graduates come out of their programs and we're certainly interested in connecting them to hopefully stay in Chautauqua County. We want this to be a great place to um, have career, have life, have family. It's a wonderful place to, to live. I think the main message I want to say is just it's really about maintaining hope. And there's a, a Hope and Healing Conference that we do every year with an, a lot of community partners led by Prevention Works. That'll be on June 9th. Um, it's, it'll be at the Fredonia campus, but it's also there's a virtual option available as well. And there's no charge for the virtual option and just the charge of a lunch for the in-person um, in-person conference, and that can be found on our, our website as well. I think the other thing about 
visiting the website, it's, it's a great rabbit hole to go down because there are a number of really helpful um, local resources, lots of live connections, and, and a good opportunity to share that there, there are services in Chautauqua County. There are a lot of services in Chautauqua County, and that's something we want people to know. That, and that's not just the formal services. As, as Trish was mentioning, there's a whole continuum of, of partners and supports um, along the lines of prevention and treatment and recovery. Right. Trish, is there anything else you wanted to add? I don't think so. Actually, this is we appreciate the opportunity to to actually reach out to the community. I mean, if we could just just since we are Chautauqua County Mental Hygiene, if we could just provide, if there is a need to call either of our Baker Health clinics, I could provide those two numbers too, if that's okay. That'd be great. Okay, and that is our Jamestown Clinic is seven one six. 661-8330 and our Dunkirk Bieber Health Clinic is 716-363-3550. So there are folks answering those phones during business hours and they can do emergency, they can do walk-ins, and they can do ongoing and just kind of talk about where it might be the best if it's not our clinic. They are absolutely able to provide additional referrals and services for other needs related to Bieber Health as well. And there's no age limit on that, Julia. The, the ages start as, as young as two and three at times, you know, really looking for supporting parents. Um, but also go up through the whole lifespan. I think it's important to know that there's not a time when we're done caring about our mental health. It, it really is something that it's good to stay on top of and, and again, good to check in with one another. For Rachel and for Trish, I thank you so much for talking with us about Mental Health Awareness Month here in a month away here on WRFA. Thanks so much.